0: Welcome to Financially Ever After, where award-winning and nationally recognized financial expert Stacey Francis will bring you savvy tips and words of wisdom on how to secure your financial future before, during, and after divorce. For 30 minutes every other week, you'll hear personal stories from women who have either faced or are currently facing this transition. In addition, you'll also soak up knowledge and inspiration from the industry's top legal, financial, residential, and mental health professionals. And now here's our host, Stacey Francis.
1: Thank you, Steve. We have an absolutely fantastic lineup for today for our Financially Ever After podcast. Today, we are very honored to have Dr. Patty Ann Tublin, and she is an internationally recognized communication and relationship expert. So if you have any questions about being able to communicate, have good, powerful relationships, she is definitely the lady. In fact, you've probably read a couple of her books. Uh, There's a book, one of them called Money Can Buy You Happiness, Secrets Women Need to Know to get paid what they're worth. Another book that she put out there that has been phenomenally successful is Not Tonight Dear, I've Got a Business to Run. I love the title of that. I love the title of that. She's been featured on nearly all of the the TV networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox. She has been in many uh, organizations, print publications too. And received a prestigious award that I just want to brag a little bit about. It's a leadership award from the Women's Center. And it's the Women's Center 29th Annual Leadership Conference. And other dignitaries who received this were Mrs. Cullen Powell. So we are definitely in very good hands today. And again, I just want to say a great big welcome to you, Dr. Patty Ann. It's great to have you here.
0: Thank you so much Stacy and I am so delighted to be on this call with all your fabulous listeners today.
1: Wonderful. And we're going to just dive in if you're up for that. And this is a big question you may not have ever third really thought about, but what is your earliest memory uh, about money? Do you have any significant, you know, memories or feelings or or attitudes you feel like were shaped from your experience when you were younger?
0: Okay, so that's a great question, and I'm like every other listener on the call where our early childhood absolutely unequivocally shaped our attitude towards money, whether we're aware of it or not. So my personal experience with money is, and you're going to laugh when I say this, Stacy, but I, in fact, don't remember... My mother or my parents ever talking about money,
1: and I'm going to. Set
0: up, it's very interesting, and yet we didn't have it, and I didn't know that. Now this was the days not to date myself, but this was long before the um, you know reality TV show, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, or Keeping Up with the Kardashians. So we only knew what surrounded us. So mm-hmm. we were all in the same socioeconomic. Situation which, quite frankly, was very low. Now, what happened was my mom was widowed at 36 with five young children. And oh, my we dear, didn't have a lot of money when my dad was alive. But you can imagine what situation we were thrown into when my dad passed away because we didn't have any, you know, life insurance. My dad wasn't making a lot of money. In fact, he was working three jobs because we didn't have any money. So money was not something that I heard my parents talk about, and as my, when I became an adult, I asked my mom about, you know, gee, I meet so many people today, and that their memory is of their parents fighting about money." And she said, "What was the point of fighting about something that we had, that we didn't have anything to fight over?" But I will tell you an interesting story. So I'll fast forward into my young adulthood. And my boyfriend at the time, who is now my husband, is driving through my neighborhood in Brooklyn, New York, back when it was the real Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. not she Brooklyn. And he was with a friend of his. He went to one of the military academies. And he was with a friend of his from the deep south of Alabama. Mm. And his friend was driving through the neighborhood looking up at the abandoned apartment buildings in absolute shock and awe. And then during the conversation, I said something about, well, growing up middle class. And my husband looked at me, at the boyfriend at the time and said, what are you talking about? You didn't grow up middle class. I said, of course I did. He goes, no, you didn't. You grew up like lower, lower class at best. And I was appalled Stacey. I went home that night, I relayed that conversation to my mother and I said, Mom, Mitch, my husband, boyfriend at the time, said we didn't grow up middle class. Is that true? She looked at me and laughed and said, of course we were at middle class.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: I was so, so foolish. <laughs> all of a
1: sudden having a ha moment. But tell me, you know, did you ever worry about money back then or did you just feel comfortable, feel secure? Because you do hear of individuals, you know, that might have been even upper class still feeling like
0: they were going to be living on the streets. Did you feel pretty comfortable? Okay, so here's what's so interesting. I knew we didn't have money, but I didn't worry about it because again, my parents, my dad when he was alive and then my mom later on never really talked about it. However, Stacy, and this is a little bizarre, however, I knew for sure that I wanted money
1: because
0: I knew that I watched my mother struggle, even though she never complained, but I knew in my heart there had to be a better way. Mm -hmm. And I wanted some of the niceties. I wanted to not have to even have the luxury of taking, getting, you know, take out dinner having to come home, you know, so I knew I wanted more financially than what I grew up with, but I didn't grow up feeling like I was lacking in anything. It's a sort of kind of interesting juxtaposition. That's really powerful. So you've
1: done, you've done so much research and writing and communication specifically about the gender wage gap. Uh, That's so powerful and unfortunately, uh, you know, we both know that women are still paid significantly less than than men. What sparked your interest in that? Was that part of wanting to get savvy about money? Because that's um, not necessarily a a topic that as a little girl you say, you know, I'm actually I really want to study the gender wage gap to some other eight year old um, Mm -hmm. that you are playing with on the playground. Uh, how what what drove you to to do this research and really to communicate and, and write about it?
0: That's a great question. So it's very interesting. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but I actually have two, two lanes of businesses that I run right? I'm, I'm really an entrepreneur. And I have a business where I work with entrepreneurs, um, mid-sized companies, teaching emotional intelligence, communication, relationship skills, right? And the subset of that is my specialty of wanting to empower women to be successful in business. I also do very, very high end work with individuals and couples working on their relationship and Mm -hmm. working with very successful, highly educated women. I was shocked to find out that with the um, perhaps a divorce ensuing or post-divorce or losing, somebody losing a job, that some of these women who would have an MBA from Stanford University, Columbia, Yale, the minute they put a ring on their finger, Stacy, their financial IQ went down to about four. And I was appalled at how these women abdicated their financial security to their spouses, to the point where they had no idea as to what their financial situation was. And these are women that could have been financial traders and financial advisors like yourself. It absolutely blew my mind. So I said, you know what, I'm going to now do some research and see if this is a, an upper middle class, a 1% phenomenon, Or is this something that transcends women across all socioeconomic levels? And what I found to my horror was that this was a very commonplace problem for women, that they allowed themselves to remain financially ignorant of their personal finances once they became engaged in an intimate relationship went on to have a family. And what I found is that many women are one divorce, one job loss, one medical catastrophe away from financial ruin. And that started my crusade of having women become, to your point, savvy ladies mm-hmm. and become financially educated and secure. And part of that. Is to make sure they are paid what they are worth. If I have one more C-suite woman, tell me when I'm working with her as an executive coach, so what did they offer you? And she said, oh, they offered me whatever. I said, what did you say? Oh, well, I agreed to it. And I'm like, no, you didn't. You go back and now you start negotiating. Because we all know, and I am not into male bashing, I love my husband, I love my children, three of the four are men, and I love men. But we all know that there is not one man that thinks he is overpaid. And We That's- all know plenty yeah. of them. I, I,
1: if, if you show me that, I will run around Times Square naked. There you go. I me will. Me too, and
0: that won't be pretty on my end. <laughs> exactly.
1: I don't want to do that to Times Square. I I mean, you know that there are <laughs> thousands of people there. All of a sudden people will run. Um yeah, it's another f- show, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, gosh, I have I have so many questions, Dr. Patty and yeah, let's
0: sorry, start that was with a this. one. Answer. I'm sorry, that was a long winded yeah. answer. But I get so passionate at, like in Yeah, I
1: know, I know. So so how can women how can women stand up and, and get comfortable negotiating for ourselves? Because we we're much better at making sure that and negotiating for our children to get into certain schools or have certain experience, you name that or or our friends, we would be you know happy to stand up for one of our friends for what they need and what they're worth. But when it comes to us, Dr. Patty Ann, um we don't do that. We don't do that. How can we get comfortable standing up for ourselves and negotiating for what we're really worth?
0: Okay, great question, and I will add another way that women are awesome negotiators. Women that are the decision makers and that are management, that lead a team, they will go to bat for their employees like it's nobody's business. Mm-hmm. They will mm-hmm. at, they will negotiate for their employees' raise, for their bonus. They will do it for everybody but themselves. So to answer the question, what we have to do is I have to get women to shift their mindset around the whole concept of money. Because women look at money, unlike men, as if it's a four-letter word, as if there's something dirty about it. We are not allowed in our mind's eye to embrace the concept that we are, in fact, like every other person on the planet, Working for money, and what I tell my entrepreneurial and especially my corporate women is that you have as much a fiduciary, a financial responsibility to make money for yourself as you do to make money for your company and your business. So, it so the first step is to get women to shift their mindset. From a negative attitude about, oh, it's just money or, oh, it's a couple of dollars or, oh, I'd rather have flexibility or, oh, what, you know, all the, oh, it's not a big deal to I am worth it and I want to embrace money because that is what I am worth. So it starts with the mindset shift from having a negative to a positive Attitude about money. And, and as an aside, Stacey, the title of my book, Money Can Buy You Happiness Secrets Women Need to Know to Get Paid What They're Worth. Now, someone like Barbara Cochran, who wrote the testimonial for it, loved it right away. I will tell you, I got so much hate mail from people telling me, Dr. Patty Ann, you're a clinical psychologist and you think money can buy you happiness, you clearly don't know anything about happiness. Well, first of all, did you read the whole title? Did you read the book? But I will tell you that money will make you happy from the perspective of it will give you opportunities that you would otherwise not have, and Mm -hmm. it will give you choices that will make your life easier. And women, are, women get into this whole, I want to make the world a better place. We go into helping help professions that we all know are notoriously underpaid, teachers, nurses, etc. And what I tell people is go out there and make a lot of money. And guess what? You can start a foundation like you did, Stacy, or a program that helps plenty of women and helps make the world a better place. But nothing good comes from you struggling and being stressed out because you don't have enough money, because you do not advocate for yourself. You know,
1: it's so interesting, Dr. Patty, and I was given that same advice at one of the most pivotal pivotal moments of my life, where I was choosing to either become a MSW a master's in mm-hmm. social work and go down that route or become a financial planner. What was driving me was to be able to help women like my grandmother who stayed in an abusive marriage, who who dealt with that abuse her whole life and never left because of her being over time battered, not only physically, but emotionally, and she never left because she never thought she could do it on her own. So I was looking at these two paths because, I'll be honest, I live my life every day to make sure that doesn't happen to someone again. Mm -hmm. And I ended up choosing the financial advisor route to help women get strong and smart about their money. And there was a big reason for that. Because I know I could make a ton of money as a financial advisor, and I could use that money then also to make change through charity. And unfortunately, so many of us women, we we sell ourselves short with the value of our time and and what we can do. I, I want to jump to something that you talked about before, though, because, I want to make sure that in this time we have together that we talk about it. Why do women who are extremely educated, um, that maybe even have a, an MBA or degree in finance, become financially stupid when they get married? <laughs> oh, because- Dr. Panny, I mean, I, I'm I'm still grappling my my head around it, um, and it, it's something that that seems to happen in almost all marriages.
0: It's mind-boggling, isn't it? It's absolutely mind-boggling. And, it, and, and the answer, Stacey, goes back to what I referenced earlier about when we put a ring on our finger. But in fairness to women, let me give a little bit more um, in, insight into what's happening. We are all a product of our cultural environment. Okay, so as far as we've come, we all know we have so far to go for women. All right, and um, what happens for even today, if you went to the playground and you saw little boys and little girls, chances are the little girls want to be the cheerleader and the little boys want to be the ball player, and we fall into stereotypes of. Good girl behavior versus good boy behavior. So girls to this day, we know this from negotiation research. When a woman goes to negotiate, she has to be careful that she doesn't come across as aggressive when she's being assertive. Whereas a man can be either one and it's okay. He's a guy. And research has shown, this is absolutely amazing, Stacy. And I talk about this in the book, in a, my book research, They they gave a script to both men and women to negotiate, the same exact script, and they had the men and women go and negotiate, and here's the results. The people that they were negotiating with found that they gave both the men and the women the raise, but they found that they felt that the woman was too aggressive, too strong, a little catty, but the man was right on the money, unintended. Same exact script. So what's happening is that we have an unconscious bias and women ourselves are a product of this. So we're raised to wait your turn, wait in line, don't interrupt, don't push. Whereas if boys do that, they're a knockoff the old block. For example, we know that women are interrupted more than men, right? And men interrupt women. And women allowed themselves to not be heard. So when we become grown up and we get married, there's that stereotype, which I can't believe still exists. When we grow up, we're going to find Prince Charming, who will take care of us financially, and we will never again have to worry our pretty little head about money. And even if we said that to a woman, consciously they would say, no, no. Unconsciously, that cultural and societal message is there, and that helps explain how a woman with an MBA from the Kellogg School of Business, 10 years into her marriage, doesn't know what her financial statement looks like. Does that answer mm-hmm. your question? Yeah, and, and how does this uh, impact
1: women who are going through divorce?
0: Well, first of all, they're shocked when they realize what money they have or don't have. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. It
1: becomes a surprise. It becomes because a surprise. Because they don't quite know.
0: And I'll tell you one of the first questions I will ask women if I'm working with them in my interpersonal practice. First question, is your name on the house? They look at me like, mm-hmm. huh? Like, you know, I, I, I assume, well, you know what is they say about assumptions? find out do you exactly know that, right do you know there's a huge percentage of women that are like oh my god I, I, my name's not in the house i said, well you know that's something that really might have been handy to have known like 15 years ago before you decided to stay home with the three kids so women are shocked when they end up going through, they don't know where the money is they don't know where the finances is and what blows my i'm not saying that I'm thinking fast, so I just shift gears. I'm not saying that you have to do the financial investment if you feel that your spouse is better at it. For example, I, I have four children, right? My husband and I, I absolutely have a division of labor. It's how you get things done, especially as a working mom, right? Yeah. But if you're allowing your financial statements to go to your husband's work, and, yes. you, and your name is not a co-signer for the withdrawal on the statement. You might have a very rude awakening when Prince Charming turns out to be a frog. 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. And I might get myself into trouble now, Stacy, when the 24-year-old sweet little thing all of a sudden starts to look a lot better than us. hmm <laughs> I'm sorry. You might edit. yeah. <laughs>
1: and, and what are some of the biggest financial mistakes that you've seen women make when they're going through divorce? And, and do you have any thoughts about Sure. how, I mean, you know, 2020, I wish I knew more about money. Now I know I need to know more about money. What do I do? Right. What do I do? Um,
0: okay. So. One of the first mistakes women make is they just do not, they are not cognizant of what their financial situation is. That's the first thing. So if you're going through a divorce, um, all right, so let's be totally honest, Stacey, okay? I live in the real world. There's nothing Pollyannish about me. I might live in Connecticut, but I'm a native New Yorker. I'm sure everybody's shocked with this wonderful accent I have here. Divorce doesn't happen overnight. It is rare that you wake up one day and say, I'm getting divorced. As soon as you start to think maybe something's not right in paradise, I tell women, I don't know how you feel about this, you start to now find a way, if you don't know how to do it, to get access to five years of your financial statements, and many times that starts with your tax return, okay? Chances Mm -hmm. are you're signing your tax return, and you're liable, so I hope you're signing Um, so I tell women to whatever they know or don't know get your paperwork in order and if that means that you have to Xerox it and then put it back that's okay, we're not doing anything illegal and we're not going for sainthood, we are going for a financial future where you are not flipping burgers the rest of your life because of mistakes you made in the past so that's Mm -hmm. the first thing I suggest the second thing is the mistakes women make is, as we know, divorce can be emotionally exhausting. And women, at some point in the divorce, and I'm sure you know this better than me, stacy but I work with financial advisors when women are going through divorce because they're the advisor and they have the attorney and they need somebody to help them with the all the emotions and the emotion around their money. Is they say, the women say, I don't care anymore. I don't just let him have it. Yeah, women abdicate what they are legally entitled to. And I am not talking about taking the guy to the cleaners. I, I am talking about having integrity, but having honesty and not not throwing in the towel for something that you're entitled to. That is a huge. And then five years down the line, women are like, I wished I would have listened to you or I wished I would have met you. And you know, I don't. I, the attorney should not have allowed them to give in. But ultimately, attorneys have to do what their clients tell them, right? They work for their client. I see that all the time with women. What about you, Stacy? Yeah, we just
1: conducted a survey of 150 women who had gone through divorce and asked them, "What do they wish there had been different about their divorce?" And about a third of them were those women who abdicated their financial rights and realized that they were legally entitled to a bigger settlement than they had settled for. Big issue, big issue. And the the emotional pain of going through a divorce can be so uncomfortable, not only on you, but what you see your children going through. So how do women, how do women stay focused, have the energy to deal with it, to stick it out, to make sure they get what they're legally entitled to?
0: Two ways. And they're parallel tracks. One is they have to believe that they deserve and that they're worth what they're entitled to. They have to believe that. And the parallel track is to surround themselves with people that will emotionally support them and professional people that have integrity. Yes. And that's not always the attorneys. I'm not bad mouthing attorneys, but they have a legal responsibility. I'm talking about a financial advisor and a money coach, somebody that has their emotional and financial back to do the right thing, not to screw the other person. Okay, but to do the right thing. Mm
1: -hmm. And I would say someone like you, a therapist. Mm -hmm. I'm shocked at women that I sometimes meet who are not necessarily working with a therapist, which you're going through probably most likely one of the most traumatic times of your life. Um, and and I truly feel like even to live in New York, you need a therapist. Let alone <laughs> to go through divorce in New York, too, right? I, um,
0: I do. And what's interesting is for me, like I do a lot of collaborative divorce, I do money coaching, and I do therapy. So I'm sort of kind of like I encompass all the needs, other than the legal need, which they need the attorney for, and the financial investment, which they absolutely need you, Stacy, for. Mm-hmm. They absolutely, and, and your friends are great, but you need professionals. And, you know, perhaps go to, if you don't know people before you start the process, please do not Google it. Go to people you know that have been through this, that you trust, and ask them. Don't interview a thousand people. It's like with my kids. I gave them two choices you want Pop Tarts for breakfast or you want Special K, right? But <laughs> you give them so many choices, you get confused.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Two, maybe three people max, right? Interview them and then we're smart. Go with your gut. Go with what you can trust. Surround yourself with people that will support you financially, emotionally, and legally. So while you're
1: talking about great resources and, and support, Dr. Patty Ann, can you tell our listeners... Today, how can they contact you and get to know more about what you do, how you can support them? If you wouldn't mind sharing your website as well, I I think that would be excellent because what this comes down to, again, through the women that we interviewed, the hundreds of women, a, a very large percentage, a very large percentage, nearly three quarters, said they felt like they didn't have enough support. So, if you could share your information, that'd be great.
0: Sure. Thank you so much. And for the record, just so you knew, I know I do so much for, I literally do work internationally um, through the power of technology. So Isn't it amazing? Yeah. It is, um, I have a couple I work with in, in London. Um, I'm involved in the Middle East. There's a huge movement for empowering women in the Middle East now. Um, and I've gone. I'm involved with helping them with women in leadership roles in business, and that has morphed into also helping couples. It's very fascinating. Um, so, so geography is not an issue. It's not a barrier. So my my website, and I'm in the middle of revamping everything, is drpattyann.com. D R E A T T Y A N N dot com and that usually speaks to my relationship work um i have a great newsletter for people with, with for couples with that work called drpatian.com slash newsletter people can go online sign up for it's a complimentary newsletter it shows all my radio my tv my blogs it's a wealth of complimentary information and you can learn how to learn more about me and see how I could help you. And then for my relationship work as an emotional intelligence expert and someone that teaches emotional skills, emotional intelligence, passionate about helping women succeed is relationshiptoolbox.com. You can go on there and then you can also sign up for my newsletter. So, and if you Google my name, I'm honestly, um, Stacey, I'm I'm all over the internet, so I
1: know you are absolutely all over. And and I love the name of Relationship Toolbox. Who doesn't need a, a toolbox <laughs> to deal right. with their relationships, right? Right, and my it's, gosh. And for, so for
0: business, it's it's for, for business. The concept is relationship tools that drive the bottom line, because we all know from Stephen Covey, all success begins with relationships. And, and what I'm what's very, very much prevalent today that I'm being tapped into for major companies, especially tech, we know what's going on with tech, is to helping them with the women. Because if, you know, we're 50% of the population, we hold up half the sky. If you do not know how to treat us as employees and to hire us and retain us and include us, You will not be competitive. So, you do not have the luxury of ignoring us anymore, which is sort of kind of cool. I love
1: it. I love it. Dr. Patty, and I cannot thank you enough for spending time with us here and sharing how people can reach out to you. If anyone would like to find out a little bit more about what we do here at Francis Financial, we are working with the half of the population holding up the sky, women like you. And our specialty is essentially wealth planning and divorce financial planning. And we are dedicated to helping women through transitions. And that might be a divorce, Unfortunately, a loss of a spouse or sudden wealth, which can be actually very frightening and scary all as well. So if you'd like to learn a little bit more about us, you can visit our website, www.francisfinancial.com. And most importantly, looking forward to chatting with you again next Tuesday financially ever after. We are here coming to you every other week for 30 minutes of the information you need to soak up to make good decisions about your financial future, both before, during, and after divorce.